We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Fun, entertaining, knowledgeable. All right. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Live and local. It's time for the Fan Morning Show with Bart Winkler. Good morning, everybody. No Bart Winkler today. I'm Toby Altizer in for him. He'll be in on the afternoon, so make sure to catch him on the Fan Afternoon Show, the first edition of that this afternoon. Toby Altizer alongside Tim Shea. We're live from the Lakeland University studios earn co-op credit for work experience at lakeland.edu. We'll dive into some Brewers talk a little bit later on in the show if you want to talk a little bit more about Craig Council and the Brewers as they get a win last night. But do want to talk some Green Bay Packers, and right now it's time to get out to the Great Midwest Bank hotline and talk to Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. Eric, how are you doing today? Toby, I'm doing great. How about you? Good. Appreciate you coming on this morning. Uh, Looking at your Twitter, I saw that you tweeted a couple different things about the USFL. Uh, Our supposed team that we follow, even though we probably haven't watched a single game, for I usually produce this show with Bart Winkler in the mornings. We decided on the New Orleans Breakers, so we're we're pretty excited about a playoff team. How much have you followed the USFL, and are there any guys that you're kind of keeping an eye on that maybe could get signed to an NFL roster? Yeah, I mean, I you know the, the the betting and the DFS people still want to play that. So you know when we cover you know those aspects of the league, I, I do watch most of the games. I mean, the Breakers have uh, former Minnesota Vikings legend Kyle Sloter at quarterback, <laughs> and you know, he's leading the league in passing yards. He's also leading the league in interceptions. So uh, they have a great defense, though. Um, with you know, and, and not no stars really on that defense. It's just a bunch of really good players. Uh, so they've made the playoffs on the back of that. Um, there's a lot, you know, I, I don't know if there's, you know, Chris Odom is a player for the Houston Gamblers. He used to play for the Packers, who uh, has been involved in double-digit sacks. I think he has like 20 more pressures than anybody else. Uh, so he's somebody who can get a look, um, you know, especially a depth guy. Um, you know, there's a Will Likely, there's a corner, uh, you know, who's also done really well for that team. Um you know, you know, there's just a Channing Stripling for Philadelphia has had a good year as well. I think six or seven interceptions. So there's some guys there. Every player in that league has a problem. You know, like either mm-hmm. athleticism or you know, old age or you know, you know, uh, pedigree, your know, FCS school. Um, but there's a lot of players, much like the AAF and XFL, that could get a shot. I think the one blunder they had in that league is they started in April. So the, the league's not going to end until July, meaning that a player that comes out of that league, unlike the previous leagues, is going to just go straight to the NFL, which could cause some problems. Yeah, and do you think that this is sustainable? XFL is supposed to come back next year. Uh, is there any way that you could have two spring leagues? And is one of these maybe going to end up being a sort of feeder league to the NFL, or is this something that another one of these failed attempts, do you think? I say this about every single league. They have to lean into the gambling and they have to lean into the DFS um, because, you know, the, the gamification of sports, you know, you, you think about, you know, one of my favorite sports, you know, the WNBA. The reason that has become more popular over the last, like, few years is people realize they can bet on it. They can play DFS. Uh, during a downtime of the year, uh, people can still, you know, sort of throw 25 bucks on a game or something like that. I think that's the only way you get some of these sort of lower leagues going because if they don't, like I just, you know, the, the average NFL uh, consumer watches three more games uh, or three times as many games if, if they are better versus if they're not. So, you know, that to me is the only way they do it. I think the USFL didn't do quite as good of a job of leaning into it this year. When they have competition, I think that's the only way that either league survives is that they lean into the gamification of the game. Talking with Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Eric. Uh, Toby Altizer in for Bart today on the Bart Winkler Show. Let's get into some of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Looking at them this year, they're obviously going to have a really stout defense, on paper at least. And we look at it, and honestly, we've talked 
plenty about it, talking about maybe is this going to be one of the better units in the league. Where do you see this defense finishing, and how good are they going to be? Yeah, I, there's not a lot of question marks with this defense. I think the only thing that can hurt them is kind of like what hurts every team, which is injuries and regression for players who had great seasons the year before. So I think about Devondre Campbell. I think about Russell Douglas, guys who were amazing last year in, in, in the stead of players like Jerry Alexander. Now they're in more of depth roles. I think a lot of Pack fans saying, okay, cool, that, that means the third corner on the team is great. And it's like, well, Rasul Douglas has kind of been a bouncing around the league for a reason. You know, they, he's not a great corner, but he had a great year last year. So, um, but the starters on this team, I mean, you look at Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary, to me, if you want to make one bet, a uh, long shot in the NFL, it's 80 to 1 that Rashawn Gary's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. I think, you know, as far as being able to rush the pass or as far as being able to play, you know, full time, you know, without Cedarius Smith there, although know, that happened last year as well. Um, guys on the interior with Kenny Clark and now Devontae Wyatt uh, and then Preston Smith on the other side. Like I think he's going to be freed up to make a lot of plays. Um, that division's bad, so they're going to be in games much like the last three years where he's going to be able to rush the passer when they're ahead. Um, and behind him, the secondary is going to be better with two good, two or three good safeties, two or three good corners, and then the linebacker position with Walker uh, and Campbell that can really cover people. That's going to give him an extra couple seconds. Uh, per pass rush, you think, uh, on some of those laid downs. So uh, I think this defense is going to carry the team in the first half of the year, and I think that that's the design. I think they, they went into the offseason saying, well, we really can't get a blue-chip wide receiver, so let's get a bunch of guys that can develop, and for the first six to eight weeks of the season, let's let our defense win us some football games while we find out who our one, two, and three wide receivers are. Yeah, and then looking at the offensive side of the ball, just as how the defense really doesn't have question marks, there's plenty of question marks on the offensive side. Do you think that the Packers have the weapons necessary on the offensive side of the ball to get to a Super Bowl and win it? I do, but it's going to take some time. I mean, you know, Sammy Watkins is somebody, I'm a Kansas City fan. I, I was at the 2019 AFC Championship game where he had seven for 115 and a touchdown. You know, like, I think he's somebody who... If you if you get caught napping and you're covering the the big players on a team, he can get behind you and catch uh, you know some big passes and big games. He had 95 yards in the Super Bowl against Richard Sherman when they beat the 49ers. So he's certainly capable of those things. And I think when the Packers you know gotten in the playoffs in the past, it's been Adams. And when you're playing playoff teams, they can you know a team in the playoffs by definition is good enough to stop one player. Uh, so you need to have multiple guys. I think the Packers said, well, we can either spend all of our money on one guy or spread the money out and, and get three or four guys. Now, the three or four guys that they're banking on are all unproven. Watkins has not been able to stay healthy. Uh, he's also kind of inconsistent with his hands and things like that. You know, Watson inconsistent with his hands in North Dakota State, but has a ton of tools and is an extremely good athlete. Alan Lazard, you know, is, is kind of a, you know, meh kind of wide receiver there as well Cobb is a little bit older uh Romeo Dubs out of out of Nevada I think is the sleeper there I think there's a chance that he emerges and becomes you know a, a real, he's the kind of target I think Aaron Rodgers really likes um so like I said I think the first few weeks of the year I think they're going to struggle on offense but if they get into the playoffs and they have three or four guys that Aaron Rodgers trusts I think that's an upgrade over what they've had in the past which is one guy that's amazing but one guy that other teams can devote coverage to, and when you play the truly elite teams, the Tampa Bays of the world, the 49ers of the world, they can always stop one target. You need to have three or four uh, in order to have success in the playoffs. Yeah, and I do want to talk uh, a little bit about some of the other teams in the NFC North, but real quick, looking at this Packers team, where do you rank them among the NFC's elite? Yeah, I mean, the NFC is, is really bad this year. I You know, so I would, you know, the LA Rams, they've taken a few steps back as well. Uh, I don't think people talk about that because they spend a lot of money on their own players. Mm-hmm. But I think the Rams have taken a step back, losing Miller, losing uh, Odell, um, you know, guys like that. Uh, Sebastian Joseph Day out of that team as well. Um, and I think Tampa Bay has taken a couple steps back. So, you know, I actually believe, you know, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, L.A., those are three teams that are the elite of the NFC. I wouldn't be surprised if any of those teams got the one seed. Uh, and then after that, it's about five or six teams that are okay. 
And then there's a bunch of teams that think they're okay. And I think that that's the NFC this year. Talking with Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. Follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Eric. Let's look around the NFC North at some of these teams. The Minnesota Vikings, I think a lot of Packers fans understand that this team, out of the other teams in the North, is probably the only legitimate threat, I think, unless you believe in the Lions or the Bears, which I don't know that many people do. But looking at the Vikings, new head coach Kevin O'Connell, Kirk Cousins played really well last year. How good do you see the Minnesota Vikings being this year, and are they a legitimate legitimate threat to the Packers in the NFC North? Yeah, I think the Vikings have good pieces, but they've, they're they never able to put it together. And, I, and unfortunately, I think they, you know, the to the degree that he had a peak, I think they wasted Kirk Cousins' peak. Like, you look at the second half of last year, basically after he had a really good game against Green Bay at U.S. Bank Stadium, like, he was just kind of okay in the second half. He's 34 years old. By the time, you know, my friend Matthew Collar, who covers the team, said, you know, by the time that Joe Flacco was 34 years old, he was on the Broncos, you know? And so I think people, you know, underestimate that part of it. Um, Jefferson's an amazing football player, but after that, Adam Thielen has been going, has been on the decline for like three straight years. He can score touchdowns, but as a number two guy, you know, I don't know if he can hold his own. Tight ends are a question mark for them with Conklin leaving, uh, and offensive line. You know, like you know, Kenny Clark tweeted out that he was pretty excited to play the Vikings in Week One, and and I think uh, everybody knows why. I think Garrett Bradbury is a liability at center, and they've never really been able to figure out the guard position since Cousins been there. And then you look at the defense, it's it you have to really you have to really hope that everybody stays healthy because they've never had good depth. Um and they and their corners I think are a little slow in Peterson and Dantzler. And I think people underestimate how good Zimmer was at calling the defense. I think everybody believes that Donatel is going to be a plus guy there. But I think Zimmer, while he failed as a head coach down the stretch in terms of team building and stuff like that, I thought you still could call a defense. And so I just don't see it with that team. I actually think the Detroit Lions are the team, if any team, challenges Green Bay this year in that division. I think it's Detroit. That's interesting. Uh, what gives you the thought that Detroit is going to be the team that's going to challenge them? You know, I think that they're doing it the right way. I think Campbell, you know, that team last year was 11-6 and six against the spread, meaning they, you know, exceeded mm-hmm. expectations in most games. Um, they were playing hard, even though there was literally nothing to play for. Um, Jared Goff was injured for most of the year, and he gutted it out. Had a relatively decent season as far as like numbers. I, I know he didn't look great doing it. Um, and, and now you look at that offensive line, that, that's three first-round picks, and, and Sewell, Decker, and, and Ragnow. You have, you have Jamison Williams, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and DJ Chark, at wide receiver. Hawkinson's a top-ten pick. DeAndre Swift's a good player. So, you know, if and they have the easiest schedule in football except for the New York Giants. They play every single game at noon. Uh, they, they don't travel west at all. And uh, they have a pre- you know, they play both New York teams. They play, you know, obviously, the Bears, who I think are going to be horrid twice. The Vikings aren't that good twice, you know, et cetera. So I think that team, you know, has a relatively simple path to nine wins if they stay healthy. And, you know, they continue to play hard for Campbell. Um, that's not going to challenge Green Bay, but I think it's going to be a, you know, we could see Detroit in the playoffs, which is kind of crazy to think about just two years into their rebuild. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know that a whole lot of people are going to be on the Lions bandwagon this year, but I think it's going to be an interesting team to keep an eye on. Looking at the last team in the NFC North, the Chicago Bears, I think, you know, we can look around uh, the roster, but the big question mark is going to be Justin Fields. Do you see him taking a step forward and seeing him more like the guy that we saw at Ohio State, or is he going to continue to struggle in Chicago? Well, yeah, at Ohio State, you know, you had, you had Alave, Wilson, you know, you, you, yeah. had, you had great support. Uh, in Chicago, his number two wide receivers, Byron Pringle, you know, <laughs> a guy that the Chiefs, uh, you know, let go recently, and, and a guy, who, you know, maybe 850 career catches or so. Um, you know, Mooney's a good player. The offensive line's terrible. Defense is terrible. I, I just have a hard time. You know, I think Brian Poles, when he took over, saw the, the desolate situation they were in and said, look, I, you know, I hope Justin Fields is a guy, but I'm not going to go out of my way to mortgage the future to support him. And so that's going to leave this year where I think Fields, if he can have success with this roster, I think he it's a pretty definitive sign that he's a great quarterback. If he can't, 
I think they're going to give him one more year with a little bit more support given their cap situation. But I, I think the jury is very much still out on him. And I think the, the, the new front office who did not draft him, I think that they're very coin flippy on him uh, as far as whether or not they want to buy into him for the future. One last one here, because it, it's so intriguing. It has nothing to do with really with the, the Green Bay Packers and uh, affect them at all. But looking in Cleveland and their quarterback situation with Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield, I mean, is Deshaun Watson going to be suiting up this year to play for them? Is Baker Mayfield even going to be on that roster? What do you see happening with those guys? Yeah, you've seen a thing, you know, with Cleveland was the favorite in the AFC North for months, and then you saw a shift to where Baltimore's now the favorite, uh, Cincinnati's second favorite, Cleveland now I think about plus 230 to win that division. So the markets are still giving them a little bit of a chance. Uh, but I, I have a hard time seeing Watson play this year. Like I, mm-hmm. I think the NFL, you know, it, is, it looks at baseball with Trevor Bauer, something like that, and they're like, you know, we can't do this. You know, we have to, we have to send a message. And, and then I also think Cleveland can't play Baker Mayfield at this point. Like, I think that that's too broken as well. Uh, Mayfield's only, you know, only real reason to play for them is to showcase himself to the league. Um, and there, there, it, there's, you know, last season was very definitive in the fact that the Browns didn't care that much about Mayfield. He had a shoulder injury. They let him keep playing, and it really hurt his stock. So I think it's going to be Jacoby Brissett, and you know, for a guy, you know, a relatively modestly drafted guy out of North Carolina State, Jacoby Brissett has been able to start multiple seasons in the league, and it's kind of funny to me. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to keep an eye out there because they were an intriguing team, and now, you know, for if you're looking at them and to win the AFC North, and now it's like, eh, I don't know what's going to happen. That's going to be an intriguing story to watch the rest of this off season. Eric, appreciate the time this morning, man. Thanks for having me on. Take care. We heard from Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Eric. He joined us on the Great Midwest Bank hotline of applying for a home renovation loan. Has you feeling anxious? Breathe and let Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of tranquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com today. Do want to jump off of one thing he said there? I do want to get into Pete Prisco's top 100 list, but do you believe in the Detroit Lions? I, I do want to... I- Raise my eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, we'll dive into that next here on the Bart Winkler Show. Toby Altizer in for Bart today alongside Tim Shea here on 1250 AM, The Fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 12.50 a.m. The fan is the Bart Winkler Show. Toby Altizer in for Bart Winkler today. Make sure to catch him a little bit later, starting at 3 o'clock, the fan afternoon show. Bart Winkler in on that today. Toby Altizer alongside Tim Shea. We're live from the Lakeland University studios. Earn co-op credit for work experience at lakelands.edu. And it is 7 a.m., so you know what that means. It's the 7 a.m. Wendy's What's for Breakfast hour here on The Fan. Is it a Wendy's breakfast Baconator combo day or a new Wendy's hot honey chicken biscuit combo day? Sweet with a kick of heat. Any of the Wendy's breakfast combos, now you know what's for breakfast at Wendy's. Make sure to go check that out and ask for some side of Toby's a.k.a. the Potato Wedges. I did finally change my Twitter name from Toby the Little Potato Wedge. You also. turned it back? Yeah. yeah. Changed I, 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 changed it, I changed it back just to my name because okay. uh, I hadn't seen Bart in a while, and I was like, all right, this is getting kind of old. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got over that eventually. Uh, we just talked with Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus I, I think he had some really good stuff to say, but the interesting thing that really stood out, you know, we're talking about the division going around, talking about the different teams, and I'd asked him about the Vikings and if they were a real threat, and he's like, yeah, I don't know if they are. If there were a real threat to the Packers this year in the North, it might be the Detroit Lions. Excuse me? <laughs> Excuse me? Like he said, he, he he's not saying that they're contending with the Packers. He's not saying that they're going to be competitive with them or even really give them much of a challenge. But he's saying if there were one, 
I might choose the Detroit Lions. Is that where you are at with the Lions? 414-799-1250. You can tweet us at 1250 AM, the fan. I That one caught me off guard. Because, you know, I, I think the Bears we can write off. You know, like he mentioned, Justin Fields has no one around him. He's only got Darnell Mooney to throw the ball to, who I really like Darnell Mooney. Don't get me wrong. I, I think he's one of the most talented receivers in this division now. I, I think he can be an ascending star. Went for over 1,000 yards last year. I think you could see him doing something similar again this season. And if you actually gave him something on the other side, again, I think you could really see him being something really special. But I, I think we can write the Bears off. They kind of sold some pieces and no more Khalil Mack, all those different things. I still think the Vikings, but looking at this Lions team, I think that we often give Jared Goff more of a bad rap than he really is. Like, is he a bad quarterback? Yes. Am I saying that he's ever going to go back to a Super Bowl? Absolutely not. But Jared Goff is still better than some of the low, low level talents in the NFL. And I think sometimes we lump them in with them. You know, you, you look across the league, he's better than what the Atlanta's rolling out with Marcus Mariota. Like he might be better than what Justin Fields is going to look like this year. He's probably going to be better than maybe Zach Wilson or even Trevor Lawrence from last year. He'll probably be better than Kenny Pickett, those kind of guys. You know, he's going to be uh, below average, but I don't know that he's necessarily going to hurt the team as much as some people make it off to be. I think he's going to be a game manager that kind of he's never going to elevate the team to a victory, but if he can limit the turnovers and just make the right reads. I think you could see him being a a game manager that doesn't necessarily lose you the football game. But they've got some weapons on that offense now. DeAndre Swift is a really good running back that can give you something out of the backfield and as a runner. You got Jamal Williams over there. I don't think I need to explain what he can bring to an offense to Packers fans. TJ Hawkinson is still an elite tight end. They've brought in Jamison Williams, and that's something we'll have to keep an eye on going forward with the Minnesota Vikings in this division is they had the 12th pick. They allowed the Lions to trade up to go get Jamison Williams. In the division, they allowed them to go get a weapon. In the second round, they had the 34th pick, and they traded out and gave the Packers the ability to come up and get Christian Watson. That's going to be something to monitor with the Minnesota Vikings and whether they're going to regret what they allowed teams to do in this draft in their own division. But with the the Lions, you bring in DJ Chark. I, I just don't know that I see them being the team that's going to go up against the Packers. Uh, he, he said you could see them getting into the playoffs. I still, they're going to be better than last year. But then again, that bar was pretty low. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them. Do you want to hear his clip again on why he thinks? Yeah, let's hear it again. Let's hear it again because, you know, I think they could win six or seven games. I don't know if I'm on board fully with what he had to say. Here's Eric uh, Eager from Pro Football Focus. I actually think the Detroit Lions are the team, if any team, challenges Green Bay this year in that division. I think it's Detroit. That's interesting. Uh, what gives you the thought that Detroit is going to be the team that's going to challenge them? You know, I think that they're doing it the right way. I think Campbell, you know, that team last year was 11 and 6 against the spread, meaning they, you know, exceeded mm-hmm. expectations in most games. Um, they were playing hard, even though there was literally nothing to play for. Um, Jared Goff was injured for most of the year, and he gutted it out. He had a relatively decent season as far as, like, numbers. I, I know he didn't look great doing it. Um, and, and now you look at that offensive line, that, that's three first-round picks, and, and Sewell, Decker, and, and Ragnow. You have, you have Jamison Williams, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and D.J. Chark, a wide receiver. Hawkinson's a top 10 pick. DeAndre Swift's a good player. So, you know, if, and they have the easiest schedule in football except for the New York Giants. They play every single game at noon. Uh, they, they don't travel west at all. And uh, they have a, you know, they play both New York teams. They play, you know, obviously, the Bears, who I think are going to be horrid twice. The Vikings who aren't that good twice, you know, et cetera. So I think that team, you know, has a relatively simple path to nine wins if they stay healthy. And, you know, they continue to play hard for Campbell. Um, that's not going to challenge Green Bay, but I think it's going to be, a, you know, we could see Detroit in the playoffs, which is kind of crazy to think about just two years into their rebuild. Yeah, I mean, that. 
he, he brings up some valid points of their schedule, just looking through some of the games that they're going to have. The Seahawks, they're not going to be very good. Um, the Dolphins, well, they could be good. The Giants, he mentioned. The Jaguars, the Jets, the Panthers. So they've got some teams they can beat, obviously, the, the Bears twice. Maybe they can beat the Vikings once. I still think I'm going to stick with the Minnesota Vikings being the threat to the Packers. But do you agree with Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus that the Lions could be the threat to the Packers this year in the NFC North, or at least they could be a playoff team? 414-799-1250, or you can tweet us at 1250 AM. Again, I think some valid points about the schedule and different things. I just don't think they have a roster to do it. I think they're on the right way, like he's saying. I think Dan Campbell does a good job with that football team of having them motivated to go out there each and every day and compete, even though you know they're not trying to win a Super Bowl this year. Let's be honest. They're, they're not competing for that. I, I think he does a good job of making sure they're motivated each day to get better. I'm interested to see what Jamison Williams can turn into. Some people had him as the top wide receiver in this class when he's healthy, and at some point this year he'll get on the field for the Lions and see if he can make a difference. Amon Ross St. Brown, I like what he was able to do in his first season. But then again, what he was able to do in his first season, a lot of it came when there was literally no one else to throw the ball to. So is he someone that's going to stand out even when you get some of these other guys on the field? I don't know. I, I think this team could be solid I don't know that I see them getting to that nine-win mark. I could see them winning five, six, seven games, so maybe a couple more swing in their favor and they do win those nine games and sneak into the playoffs. I still don't see it, but I think that's an interesting take that maybe the Lions are the team to at least keep an eye on as opposed to the Vikings. Again, I think we can write off the Bears. I still am going to stick with the Vikings because I look at some of the talent that they have and I think it's too much to just write off. Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. You know, whether you want to think he's a joke, whether you want to think he's a game manager, whatever. Uh, He's better than Jared Goff, obviously, and last year he actually played pretty well. So Kirk Cousins, I think, is serviceable. In my opinion, Justin Jefferson is one of the top three receivers in the league in no particular order. My guys would be Devontae, Justin Jefferson, and Cooper Cup. You know, you take your pick on which one of those guys you want to put one, two, and three. I think Justin Jefferson is going to continue to ascend, but his ascension correlates with Adam Thielen's decline. So what you gain in Jefferson improving, you lose in Thielen. So you know you kind of stay at that same point. Uh, the defense, there's still some question marks there. Mike Zimmer is out of town now. You bring in an offensive guy and Kevin O'Connell. I will say that in his time in Washington, I thought he was actually a pretty good coordinator for just to give you the Washington perspective on him in his time there fans really liked him and this came after Washington let Sean McVay walk and he ended up getting the head coach coaching job out in LA and fans wanted to see something done with Kevin O'Connell to keep him in turn because they thought that he could be a special play caller now he ends up in Minnesota, so we'll get to kind of see what he can become there. So I think people writing off Kevin O'Connell as a whatever hire, uh, I, I actually think he's going to be a pretty good hire for the Vikings. I still would stick with them as the threat to the Packers in the NFC North just because the talent I look at on offense. Again, Justin Jefferson's a stud. I didn't, didn't even mention Dalvin Cook and what he's able to do. So I'm excited to see what the Packers can do in this division because, again, you know, we can look at the Minnesota Vikings. Are they a legitimate threat to the Packers? Eh, I don't know that they are. The Detroit Lions, are they a legitimate threat to the Packers? I don't think Eric Eager thought they were either, but are they a team that maybe could get nine wins and sneak into the playoffs? I guess, sure. I don't think the Bears are anything. So I think, again, this Packers team should be able to kind of waltz to a division title without really much effort. I I think this team is going to be able to get into the playoffs again. Uh, They're probably going to be right around the same sort of level they've been over the last couple years. 13 wins under Matt LaFleur is kind of the benchmark. I don't know that they reach 13 wins, but are they an 11 or 12 win football team? I think they're right around there. And just a little bit earlier in the interview too, talking with Eric Eager, he mentioned how the NFC is kind of down. It's Tampa, Green Bay, and L.A., And those are the teams. And can the Packers beat those teams? You know, I think they absolutely can beat Tampa. 
Am I sold that they could go to L.A. and beat L.A.? I'm, I'm not sold necessarily on that yet. But with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, I think anything is possible. And, you know, that's thinking about this offense right now. Thinking about this offense after having a majority or over half the season to kind of see what they're going to be and kind of gel and mold together and work on that chemistry, maybe we'll think a little bit differently at this of this offense at the halfway mark and towards the end of the season than what we're thinking about them right now because we would have seen them and seen what they're going to look like. I think Aaron Rodgers is still going to be that guy that is going to be right up there in the MVP conversation again. And if that's the case, then, you know, with with Aaron Rodgers, if he puts up similar stats to what he put up this season or the last couple years with this receiving core, I think you could see him going for another MVP and going for three straight and ending up having five MVPs total. I wonder if he can still carry a passing offense. I did see some comments from Brian Erlacher on the Pat McAfee show talking about him. I would play some clips from that, but I can't really because you'd have to edit the whole thing. So you'll have to take my word for it on what Brian Erlacher had to say on the Pat McAfee show. And that's what we'll talk about next. Can Aaron Rodgers at this point still carry an offense, a passing offense? I'm not sold that he can. We've seen it in the past. But I do want to dive into that next year on the Bart Winkler Show. It's Toby Altizer in for Bart Winkler today alongside Tim Shea here on 1250 AM, The Fan. It's the Bart Winkler Show. Toby Altizer in for Bart Winkler today. As you just heard, he'll be in on the Fan Afternoon Show this afternoon at 3, so make sure to catch him there alongside Sam Schmitz. I'm Toby Altizer alongside Tim Shea this morning. We're live from the Lakeland University Studios. Earn co-op credit for work experience at lakeland.edu. And it is 7 a.m., so you know what that means here on the fan. It is a 7 a.m. Wendy's West for breakfast hour. Is it a Wendy's breakfast baconator combo day or a new Wendy's hot honey chicken biscuit day? That's sweet with a kick of heat. Any of the Wendy's breakfast combos, now you know what's for breakfast at Wendy's. Do you think Aaron Rodgers can still carry a passing offense like he has in the past? 414-799-1250, or you can tweet us at 1250 AM, The Fan. Mr. Milwaukee tweets in to the show and says, I think the NFC North will actually be surprisingly better than the last couple of years. Lions offense will be top 10. Lions defense will be team to, will be in the 20s or 30s. Vikings offense will be top 10, defense below 20th. Packers will have to be on their game. And then he makes a prediction for the records. Bears at 4-13, and 13, Vikings 9-8, and 8, Lions 10-7, and 7, and the Packers 12-5. And, and just a, a little bit ago, a couple weeks ago, when we went through and win-lost the Packers schedule at a way too early point in the, in the offseason, I think each Bart, Horvat. And I had the Packers going 12-5. and five. Tim, is that where you're kind of at with the Packers? You see them 12-5, yeah, and 13-5? That's, right. that's where I pat them, 12-5. and five. All right, so a lot of people around here kind of have them at 12-5. and five. I even think when Sam and Rami went through it, they were in a similar sort of 12-5 mm-hmm. and five sort of range. And so a lot of us believe the Packers are going to be at that 12-5 and five range. The question is, though, do you think Aaron Rodgers can carry a passing offense like he has in the past? Because we've seen Aaron Rodgers kind of put the passing offense on his back and do all the work. Do you think he can still do that at this point in his career? You know, it's different for a guy in his 20s to do it, his late 20s to do it. It's different for a guy in his late 30s to do it. You know, you think about the Chiefs offense at times this year with Patrick Mahomes. I would say that he put that passing offense on his back to an extent because at times there wasn't anything going on and he would run around and end up making something out of nothing, and that's what their offense turned into a little bit of. I think if the scheme is not as good as you'd like it to be or the receivers don't run everything correctly or whatever the case may be with some of the talent lacking on this offense at the skill positions – I think you could see Aaron Rodgers having to do some of those things that Patrick Mahomes does to an extent. I don't think you're going to see it to that extent because I think you're going to see that this offense is built for Aaron Rodgers to kind of stay in the scheme of the play and be able to find easy completions and still be able to get his stuff going. But I'd question whether, if it came to it, if Aaron Rodgers is tasked with 
carrying this offense, the passing offense at least, on his shoulders and shouldering most of that load, I question if he could still do that at this point in his career. I'm not questioning his talent. I just think that might weigh too much on him and you might not see the success you'd like. You're questioning the talent around him. Yeah, I, well... If, if, the, if those receivers can make plays... Sure. Like Devontae Adams. And, and I don't know that I'm necessarily even doing that. I just question at this point in Rodgers' career, with his age, with some of the injuries that he's had throughout his career, if, you know, because if you're going to be carrying the ball and you're running around all over the place and you're doing all these things, you're going to open yourself up to hits. You're going to fatigue yourself. It's a 17-game season now. Is he going to be able to sustain that over a long period of time? And I just don't know that he can. You know, if this is Rodgers that's 26, 27... Absolutely. You know, he's he's got a cannon of an arm. He's accurate. He's incredible outside of the scheme of the play. But is that something that he can go back to doing right now at the time frame that he's at in, you know, in his life? I, I don't know that he can. Now, I don't know that he's going to have to because I think Matt LaFleur's offense is going to set him up in a position to be successful. And I think he'll be fine in that. But I do question if if push comes to shove, can he do that? You know, we talk about the weapons around him. Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, Randall Cobb, Romeo Dubs, Mari Rogers, Sammy Watkins. And that's another thing, going back to the Eric Eager interview that I thought was interesting. I think we're kind of writing off Sammy Watkins at this point. If they can keep him healthy and on the field, maybe Sammy Watkins can have a bigger impact than we're expecting. Again, Sammy Watkins was a pretty high draft pick. I think he was like fourth overall. And... People forget that at Clemson, when he played, he was the top dude, and DeAndre Hopkins was his number two, and it wasn't really... I think Hopkins was still a first-round pick, but either way, it was Sammy Watkins was that dude. So maybe he can stay healthy and make a big impact for this offense, but I don't know that this these players are going to make, the, make it easy on Aaron Rodgers. I think he's going to end up shouldering a lot of this load, I think the pressure is still squarely, in my opinion, on Matt LaFleur because he's going to have to do a phenomenal job of making sure that it doesn't all fall on Aaron Rodgers. Because if it does all fall on Aaron Rodgers, then Matt LaFleur has kind of failed at his job. And in turn, what's going to happen is we're going to start pointing fingers at Brian Gutekunst as well and saying, how could you let Devontae Adams leave us? And how could you not bring somebody in? Why didn't you trade for a wide receiver? Why didn't you go sign one of those guys? Whatever the case may be, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the front office and Matt LaFleur if they don't make it a little bit easier on Aaron Rodgers. But I think this offense is set up in a way that Aaron's going to be able to depend on the running game. They're going to run some play action. They're going to run some of the shorter stuff. But are these guys going to step up into roles to make it easier on Aaron? You know, is Christian Watson going to come in right away and be able to contribute? You know, he's coming from North Dakota State. If this is a guy coming from Alabama and you can kind of see a clear role for him, you know, if this were, you know, say one of the other guys in the first round, Olave or something like that coming out of Ohio State, and you can see a clear role for them, you could say, all right, I I could see them being something right now. But then you look at Christian Watson. He's, I think he's got as high a ceiling as just about anybody else in this class. But he, I don't know how quickly he can be something for this football team because he comes out of North Dakota State. That's where I question whether Aaron can still make it so that I can kind of run around and do all sorts of crazy stuff to make it so that, you know, at, you know, any wide receiver in the NFL can get open if the quarterback extends the play and gives them extra time. It's whether or not they can make things happen within the scheme of the play in the first couple seconds of the snap. And I'm not sold that they're going to be able to do that, so I think Aaron's going to have to do a little bit of wizardry. He's going to have to put on that Superman cape. He's going to have to be the Aaron Rodgers that at times in the Mike McCarthy offense, you saw him just kind of put everything on his back. I think he had more weapons at times in there, but even you think back to the Arizona Cardinals game in the playoffs, who's he throwing the ball to? Jeff Janis? (laughs) He didn't exactly have 
guys to throw the ball to. You even see this past year in, again, the Arizona Cardinals game, he was throwing the ball to Jawan Winfrey. Who else was he throwing the ball to in that game? Uh, Winfrey, I can't even remember who else. The Arizona game? Yeah, this past year. It was a Thursday night. Well, uh, it was Winfrey. Aaron Jones. Well, obviously Aaron Yeah, Jones, obviously but. the running backs, but Winfrey and who else? I don't even remember who else he was Cobb? throwing the ball to. Cobb, was Cobb active for that game? I think Cobb might have been in that game, but even so, you get my point. Aaron can still do things, but even so, in that Arizona game this past year, he only threw for like 180 yards or something like that. So I just wonder if at this point in his career, Aaron Rodgers can put on that Superman cape and carry an offense. I don't, you know, I'm not questioning Aaron Rodgers' talent. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying that if he has to shoulder the weight of the passing game, I think that's going to weigh on him because you have an extra game in there. You know, you've already struggled to get the job done in the postseason. So is that going to be something that weighs on him even more? And that's why I'm putting a lot of pressure on Matt LaFleur to make sure that it's not the case where Aaron has to play superhero all the time. If if Matt LaFleur's offense fails this year, that's the ultimate indictment on him. Because we've seen over the last couple years that we give a lot of credit to Matt LaFleur. We question why... He hasn't won Coach of the Year uh, each of the couple, last couple seasons, and we, we get frustrated that other guys are getting the recognition but Matt, not Matt LaFleur. Well, the reason he's not won it, even though I think he should have, is because of the fact that Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers were able to do a lot of the stuff with or without Matt LaFleur. I mean, some of the stuff was schemed in, I'm sure, but you also know that at times Aaron would look over to Devontae, give him a hand signal, wink at him, whatever the case may be, give him something and say, you're running this route. It's not necessarily what the play calls for, but I'm going to throw you the back shoulder fade anyways. Here we go. Let's do it. Ready, set, hu- you know, ready, ready, set, hike, go. And he throws the back shoulder fade to Devontae. And what did Matt LaFleur actually do in that? Not a whole lot. This year, he's not going to have that guy on the outside. He's not looking over at Christian Watson or Alan Lazard or Sammy Watkins. At least I don't think. Maybe I'm wrong. But I don't think he's going to be looking over there, giving them a wink, and next thing you know, they're running a back shoulder fade like he did with Jordy and Devontae and those guys. I don't think he's going to have the chemistry with this receiving core to be able to do that. So it's going to depend on Matt LaFleur's offense to make sure that these guys are getting open. And Matt LaFleur's offense at times has shown that it can do that, I think you're going to be a little more run-dependent, not run... You're never going to be run-centric because you've got Aaron Rodgers under center. I don't think that'd be smart. But you're going to be a little more run-dependent. But I just question at this point if Aaron has to, if he can put the team on his back and do... And the reason I think about this is Brian Urlacher was on Pat McAfee's show yesterday. Again, I'd play some of those clips for you, but they'd be so heavily edited, it's not even worth it. Uh, but he's like, you know, we played against Aaron. He's kind of the same way that Peyton and Tom were. As soon as he, you know, he, before the snap, he knew what you were doing. It's just about making sure you do your job. And then he was saying, Aaron, no matter who the receivers are, is going to make them better. And this is kind of the option, of, or this is kind of the time for that to be proven where whatever the receivers are, because these receivers are whatever. They're not a top unit in the league. So I'm excited to see what they can become. And I, I'm interested to see how Aaron Rodgers plays in this offense, whether he's going to play in the scheme, whether he's going to try and freelance a little bit. How is this offense going to look? You know, Eric Eager, again, at the, catch that interview from earlier this hour. I thought it was really good. If you want to go back and listen, you can listen on the Rewind feature or when Tim puts up the podcast on the Odyssey app. But he mentioned there's no real question marks on the defense, but then you look at this offensive side and there are plenty, plenty, plenty of question marks. One of them being the receivers. One of them being Aaron Rodgers. One of them being Matt LaFleur. You got to also mention in there Adam Stenovich. Plenty of questions about this offense. And I don't think that's really been the, the, the case in Green Bay for quite a while. 414-799-1250. We'll hit a quick break when we come back. We'll continue talking about Aaron Rodgers and this Packers offense. It's Toby Altizer in for Bart Winkler alongside Tim Shea here on 1250 AM, The Fan. 1250 AM, The Fan. Toby Altizer in for Bart Winkler alongside Tim Shea here on The Bart Winkler Show. 
If you're looking for a Father's Day gift, it might be a little late to get this sent to Dad by Father's Day, but maybe you can get it there a little bit late. Let Bart tell you where you should go to get your Father's Day gifts. Hey guys, Bart Winkler. So I've been talking about Omaha Steaks, and I've been talking about how it's been a family tradition in my family. My grandpa, 10 years ago, started this. I've been talking about how for your dads, it's a great package that we have available where you go to omahasteaks.com, type in Bart in the search bar. You get the Dads Want Steaks package. $99, that's more than 50% off the normal rate. We've been talking about all of this. And then, you know, my dad listens to the show. So how terrible of a son would I have been if I didn't get him this package? Well, I did. It was delivered yesterday. Uh, he tweeted about it. He's very excited about it. There's so much that he's going to be able to cook up now in his home. Unfortunately, he's in Florida. I'm here. I don't have a trip plan. Maybe that'll have to change to get some of dad's home cooking. You got the bacon wrap filet mignons, which are very good. You got the jumbo franks. You got the caramel apple tartlets they throw in. It's a great dessert. The air-chilled boneless chicken breast. So much good food that they provide and the pork chops. Let's not forget about the pork chops. That's the package. Then they throw in an additional eight burgers because of this deal that we have assembled. So get it for Father's Day. Let your dad know it's coming. Go to omahasteaks.com. Type in Bart in the search bar, and it's the Dad's Want Steaks package that you can order. Shout out to my buddy Mike, who got this for his dad. I don't think I'm spoiling a present there. That was great to hear about that, and it's just it's great to see you guys take advantage of a great deal. And uh, my dad as well. He's going to be savoring some of this delicious food from Omaha Steaks coming up this weekend. Omaha Steaks, it's not just steak. It's the best steak of your life. Go to omahasteaks.com, type in BART in the search bar, and get this package ASAP. Omahasteaks.com, the promo code is BART. Can Aaron Rodgers still carry this Packers offense? Thanks for the message from Bart Winkler about Omaha Steaks. Can Aaron Rodgers still carry a passing offense on his back at this point in his career? 414-799-1250, or you can tweet us at 1250 AM. I think he's capable of it. I just don't think it's something that you want out of the Packers this season. If Aaron Rodgers is half in to go Superman, one, I think you could see Aaron Rodgers done after a year, which maybe maybe that's what Packers fans want. Maybe that's what some Packers fans want. But I think you could see him say, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I, I think part of the reason that he enjoys working with Matt LaFleur is I think he he enjoys the fact that his offense makes it a little bit easier to just play quarterback and not have to be a superhero. I think he enjoys the fact that not everything is riding on himself. I think he enjoys the fact that he can work with someone that he views as, uh, I guess, contemporary, uh, his contemporary working in this offense. And he enjoys the fact that he doesn't have to be Superman like at times he was in the McCarthy offense. Now, when you look at the receivers, I wonder what people's expectations are for them this year. Alan Lazard, I think, probably has some inflated expectations that are probably unrealistic from a lot of Packers fans. You know, I think some people expect him to be the number one guy, and when they think number one guy, they think, oh, yeah, well, Devontae was the number one guy. Uh, why can't I expect uh, Lazard to, well, he's not going to be Devontae. He's not going to go 1,500. Why can't he go 1,100? Well, the reason he can't go 1,100 is because that's not who Alan Lazard is. I think if you're being honest and you expect him to go, you know, six, seven, maybe even 800 yards, I think you're going to be satisfied with what he's able to give you because he's still going to give you the great blocking. He's still going to give you the solid route running. Everything that he's given you in years past, he's going to give you again this year, but I don't think he's going to give you 1,100 yards. What's Sammy Watkins going to be? I think he might be a little bit of a wild card for this Packers team because if he can be healthy and stay on the field, and that's a huge if. We understand that. That's a huge if. But if he can stay healthy and be on the field for the Packers, maybe he can be the number one guy that can give you something. I don't think he's going to give you, again, Devontae-type numbers. Is he someone that can give you another eight or 900 yards through the air? I think so. What are the rookies going to give you right away? Is Dubs going to be someone that contributes? Is Christian Watson going to be developed enough right away to make a difference in his rookie season? I think that's an interesting one as well. And then you bring in some of the slot guys. Is Amari Rogers going to take that step forward that you were looking forward to him doing last year? Is he going to be able to be some sort of 
contribution. You know, last year he comes in as a third-round draft pick, and you expected something out of him. I don't think you expected him to be the difference maker that maybe you expect Christian Watson to be, but you expected him to give you something, even if it was just punt returns, and he didn't even give you that. So is Amari Rodgers going to take a step forward? I don't know. I've heard good reports. I don't know that I trust that he's going to come in and make a difference. And what kind of stuff, what kind of contributions are you going to get out of Randall Cobb? Again, these are all legitimate questions for this offense. When you look to the defensive side of the ball, what are the question marks? Like, how good are they going to be? How good can they be? But you're not questioning positions and saying, is this guy going to be able to do this? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, honestly, the questions you're asking about the defense compared to the offense, the offense, you're questioning if these guys can play at an NFL level that can give you enough to win a Super Bowl. On the defensive side of the ball, you're asking, can Rashawn Gary win Defensive Player of the Year? Can this be the best defense in the league? You're looking at a really high aspirations for the defense. So I think this team in, in total should be able to have high aspirations because working in tandem with the defense, this offense should be hopefully enough to be able to get the job done. But are they going to be able to be enough by themselves that if the defense has an off game, that they're able to at least put some points on the board. How many how many points can you realistically expect out of this offense? I don't know. Uh, there's so many question marks about this offense, and I just wish football season were closer. I love baseball. I love all these other sports, but football, that's my that's my bread and butter. It'll be here. I wish enough. it were here already. I, what? I think the Packers announced yesterday that training camp starts on July 27th. I wish it were here already. I know. I really do. I know. And we do need to get uh... – Scary Terry in the Packer jersey. It's not so. happening. It's not happening. So you can stop with that. Sorry. Ron Rivera already said he's not getting traded. So any Packers fan that wants to bring up Terry McLaurin, he's not going anywhere. It's not happening. It's just not going to. All right, when I come back, I do want to talk a little bit about the U.S. Open. It kicks off today. Tees off today, whatever you want to call it. Talk a little bit about that as well as the NBA Finals. We'll talk about that next year on the Bart Winkler Show. I'm Toby Altizer. That's Tim Shea. We're live from the Lakeland University Studios here on 1250 AM. The Fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.